Swivel. From Swivel Media and the Product Bus, this is The Bootstrap. I'm Scotty Allen. The Bootstrap is your source of news and resources all about building startups from scratch. This episode, I'm joined by founder, advisor, and podcaster Preachy Mohan as we ask, what is a founder mindset? But first, let's take a look at some things you should know. Here's the startup rundown for Tuesday, the 31st of October. Byron Bay Fintech Zepto has just announced layoffs of 20% of its workforce as part of a large-scale restructure and pivot. The Australian Financial Review reports that the Airtree Ventures-backed company is scaling in a new direction following a downturn in their crypto-related revenue. Zepto was forced to drop large crypto exchange Binance last year following controversies surrounding scams occurring on the exchange. These changes highlight the potential new landscape of cryptocurrency investing in Australia, as ASIC will soon require large crypto exchanges to hold the financial services license to reduce risk to investors. Exciting news out of the University of Queensland this week with the announcement of the formation of Queensland's first quantum technology startup, Analog Quantum Circuits. The five-member team, working out of UQ's Superconducting Quantum Devices Lab, is setting out to produce and commercialize microwave circulators 1,000 times smaller than what is currently available on the market. This comes as the Queensland government recently announced plans to invest $76 million over the next four years through its Queensland Quantum and Advanced Technology Strategy, a very big investment in very small technology. Last week saw the recognition of incredible technological ideas at Curtin University's annual Curtinovation Awards, and I think we can all rest assured that none of the awards were for that name. Startup News reports that the coveted Griffith Hack Overall Winner Award went to a cost-effective method of obtaining green hydrogen from untreated water, developed by CU Professor Zhangping Xiao and PhD student G.I. Tang. The technology has the potential to produce green hydrogen at 60% of the current cost, marking an important step towards decarbonization. The annual awards ceremony recognizes excellent research with the potential to translate into innovation that benefits the wider community. Interesting news out of China today as the Financial Times reports that 126 companies have cancelled or suspended their IPO applications for Shanghai's star market in 2023, following new regulations. These regulations now require companies to turn a profit and present large documents detailing how sustainable their business model is and how their technologies are on par with or better than those of established market competitors. These regulations essentially amount to a complete 180 of China's approach to encouraging innovation, putting a star market registration out of reach for many startups and smaller companies. And finally, what's happening with the Adobe acquisition of Figma? Adobe announced it would buy design tool Figma for $20 billion in September of 2022, but regulators are still examining the deal. According to TechCrunch, regulators in the US, UK, and Europe have been in a long process of deciding whether or not the proposed deal is anti-competitive. Adobe acknowledges that it was marketing a competitive product, XD, at the time of the deal, but say that they are planning on scaling back XD and running Figma as its own entity separate from Adobe's creative cloud. Is this yet another example of a global monolith absorbing smaller competition or a mutually beneficial deal for both companies? That's up to the almighty regulators, and they sure are taking their time. 
That's the Startup Roundup for this episode. We'll be back in a moment. The media gives us a clear picture of the startup founder archetype. Pioneering, full of self-belief, ready to defy the odds. But we know that successful founders can come in many forms. So what is a founder mindset? And is there an ideal personality for the founder role? To help me unpack this, I'm joined by Preeti Mohan. Preeti is a seasoned entrepreneur with a background in MarTech, MediaTek, and HealthTech, and a history of working with tech giants like Google and Samsung. She's an active angel investor and the founder of nice a platform advocating for underrepresented individuals in tech. She's also the host of the Startup Palette Show. Preeti has advised over 80 founders, she's co-founded the female entrepreneur community F2F, and she's passionate about innovation and inclusivity in the startup space. Preeti, welcome to The Bootstrap. Thanks for having me here. We are delighted to have you. So let's get right into the topic. What do you see as some of the most crucial attributes for a founder to possess? I mean, this is an interesting one because... I don't think all founders are the same. And in fact, they shouldn't be. And especially founding teams, the more non-homogenous they are, the better it is, right? And actually a great example of this is Mel, Cliff and Cameron from Canva and particularly Mel and Cliff. They are meant Mm. to be polar opposites. So Mel is that long-term visionary thinker. She's in the clouds. And then Cliff is down on the ground getting stuff done and doing it nonstop, right? Mm. But I think what every founder that I've had the privilege of witnessing or have the privilege of interacting, what they have in common is that there's this hunger to succeed. They're really hungry to achieve. And this means they don't wait for things to happen. They take action and they drive the action forward themselves. So it's in their hands mm. and they're driving that momentum. I think that that certainly describes the founder archetype, doesn't it? It is that person who is not interested in boundaries, wants to, you know, overcome them, etc. But I, I think that those qualities can present themselves in really different packages. You know, we have the, I guess if you want to say like conventional business person package that knows the lingo and talks the talk, etc. But we have a growing class of founders or group of founders who come from non-traditional backgrounds. They don't come from tech. They, they may have other business experience, but they don't know this world, or they just have something really interesting that they want to get done and don't quite know how to do it. So you know, if you don't have that natural vision and drive, can these attributes be learned? And if they can, then how? I mean, I think one of the most beautiful things about founders is they know how to learn and unlearn. Oh, I love that. So everything they've learned, they know how to rewire themselves and unlearn. And I think the biggest thing for founders is being able to grow in your own confidence and your own conviction. So if you've nailed that one attribute, I think you can nail everything else that comes with being a founder. I really love what you just said about unlearning, because I think that there is a piece that a founder has to be prepared to do. And particularly in in my case, where I work with technical and non-technical founders, but you know people that have come from other backgrounds, and now it's their first true tech startup. And so it's not like they don't know anything about business. 
it's not like they don't know anything about project management. They're, you know, they've already been successful or they've had successful careers. And actually that unlearning or that place where you, you have to not have to be the expert in something, I think is maybe one of the hardest hurdles for people or things that they don't understand that they need to do. I mean, I came from the corporate world, right? And there was so much. I'm sorry, me too. I know, it's right? Okay. So yeah. many of us. <laughs> and there was so much that you need to unlearn. You're given these systems and structures that are a bit outdated, actually, if you look <laughs> at it in the startup realm. And so you really, really have to unlearn years or decades of learning. Yeah. Well, I came, I originally came from education, but in that, in that very, I had the real privilege of working in some super innovative spaces, but as a entity, there's a lot of stuff that works against education, <laughs> you know, it works against innovation, you know, in that space. Cause there's that, that real push of this is the way we've always done it. And then even in, in startups, it's interesting how People can bring those sort of really immovable kind of constructs that don't really work in, in that setting. And it is, there's a lot of unlearning. I, I'm, I'm going to use that for sure. Feel <laughs> free to. I mean, Beautiful. it's not a term I coined, but. No, 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 I get, but I get it. I think it's one of the things that I find a struggle with our consulting clients is in the scale up phase or people that identify that they think that's where they're at. And they've gotten there because they've got that vision and they can paint a beautiful picture of what it is that they want to achieve. But then trying to, as a product manager in particular, trying to get them to understand that, yes, you've got this amazing vision, but the gap between where you actually are right now and that vision is too big for you to just keep moving forward. You've actually got to arrest that or at least work out that you have a pathway to achieve that thing, right? And so, and I think that's harder for that extrovert, really bullish founder. Do, do you think personality types play into this in terms of is, is one type, like if we think extrovert, introverts as a broad categorization, is one type better suited to being a founder? How does, how does it work for introverts? I mean, I think the systems in society dictate that extroverts succeed, right? Like <laughs> if you think about how startups work, there's a lot of pitching, there's a lot of networking and making connections, and those are typically suited with more extrovert sort of personality types. But I actually think fundamentally when it comes to a founder, you don't, it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. Like I think as long as you have that grit and that resilience to go forward, you can succeed. And I think different personality types have different ways of working and navigating around things. So it's about owning your strengths and being able to be confident in that and going, yep, I know how to drive it forward. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Mm. I, I think that there are different types of or different categories of people that are more conditioned to put themselves in what I call it the less than bucket, right? Like I think that comes from like the Arbinger Institute stuff of where you just kind of go, oh, well, I, I'm not good at that or there other people are way better than than me. And often those are those more thoughtful, considered people that are more in touch with perhaps their own weaknesses. But I love 
coaching those types of founders to back themselves. And to, and one thing that I think is often a struggle is people, they have an idea, but not everybody wants to be the voice or the face of their, their startup. But there is a point at which if you're the founder and it's your idea, nobody else can do that for you. If you can't be that first, if you can't sell it, if you can't explain it, no one else is ever going to be able to do that. It doesn't mean you have to do it forever, but you've got to then find that way to inhabit that and be yourself, right? Because I think people can kind of sniff that and we're open to different types of founders, pitches, etc. I'm an extroverted introvert. Like I can, I can do people really well, but I also, you know, get to a point at, at, when I, when I'm done where I'm out <laughs> of, yeah. and then it'll be like some random unexpected social interaction at the end of the day that undoes me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm finished with people. Don't ask me how my day was. Check out prison. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. But I would I would prefer to be building and planning than talking. And so finding that time to make for those discussions, particularly in the validation and growing stage, where the less that you are trying to explain to other people what you're on about, the less sense it starts making to anyone, right? Like it starts, it makes more sense in your head. And then you wait too long to have to talk about it. And the next time you talk about it, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't think I even make sense anymore. Right? Like, so. I mean, there are like honestly, several different ways to approach things. So let's say you're trying to find customers with someone who's a typical extrovert. It might be actually going to networking events and talking to a bunch of people and then following up and then narrowing it down. Whereas with an introvert, the approach they might take is being targeted with their outreach and knowing exactly what they want to talk about and going in prepared and talking about things. So I think Everyone has different styles and different ways. And I don't think the core personality that you have should be a blocking factor in terms of being a brilliant founder. Mm -hmm. I know that you do a lot of work and, and discussion around diversity in teams. And like, wh where does that come into it, maybe culturally or in, in terms of people, uh, different backgrounds and working out how to communicate their strengths, et cetera? Is that a... A factor? I mean, I think the way cultural backgrounds can manifest is in several different ways. And I'll give you an example of myself, right? So I'm uh, of Indian origin. And so, which means I've been taught to have a very big hospitality mindset. When someone comes home, you feed them incessantly until they tell you to stop, <laughs> right? What this means is in life, how it's translated is that it makes me a yes person. It makes me someone who is there to support others and always taking that back seat and supportive role, right? And I've been analyzing it. And while it is absolutely a strength of mine, it can also be a weakness. So I think being able to go, okay, so I've got a hospitality mindset. That's a core strength of mine. And saying, okay, that means I know how to make good connections and that's what I'm going to use it as a strength for. But I also mean, uh, no, it, it's a weakness of mine in that I give away too much. And so I need to know how to balance that and find that balance. So like cultural backgrounds can manifest in so many ways. Society can manifest in so many ways. And I think my journey, at least, has been a lot of introspection to realize <laughs> how to come out of that stronger. No, I, I love that. So you already talked a bit about your own mindset, but do you have like an experience where your mindset has made a positive impact on 
work that you've done? I know that you, you founded a number of different businesses. You know, what's one, one area where it's been a help? It's been really positive in terms of being able to reframe things. For example, my risk appetite when coming into startups, like I was very risk averse. I was scared about my finances. I was scared about everything that could go <laughs> wrong, right? And then I entered into the startup realm and realized it was absolute chaos. The first business was a marketing tech business and we've got signed letters of intent and then boom, COVID hits. (laughs) Everything changed overnight. Lockdown started happening. Marketing budgets got pulled. Marketing staff lost their jobs. Are you, you in Melbourne? I'm in Sydney. Oh, okay. So, you know, I'm in Melbourne, so we're the world's most locked down city, but it definitely affected everybody in Australia in those early days, for sure. Absolutely. And what, what it helped me realize is it was actually a bit cathartic to be a founder during COVID because everyone in the world is in chaos and so is your life and like (laughs) it somehow doesn't seem as significant what it did is it reframed my thought about risk instead of seeing risk as a risk I started to see it as opportunity (laughs) so I started to look for opportunities where previously I would have looked at it as just risk I love that yeah I think that's very pertinent too because COVID changed a lot of things. My business is a COVID business because I got made redundant from where I, where I was, which was, it wasn't a, a sad thing in that it, it was, I was probably ready to jump anyway. And so to get a little bit of a, a push with some cash behind you is not a terrible thing, but it is definitely that it's the first time in my life where I haven't had that guaranteed income and very fortunate to have a partner that supported me through that initial stage while I worked that out. But it is definitely, you know, understanding your risk appetite is a, a beautiful thing to point out there. I, I, I think that one thing that all founders have to do is really do the work on themselves and understanding how they tick because you're like, I'm a big advocate for really doing that kind of family of origin work and understanding the soundtrack that gets laid really early and is so subconscious that you can just jump to it. You know, like my parents have both passed away, but their voices are still in my head. Right. And, and to be able to kind of call them out and identify them because I have that people pleasing element too, because my household was like not super emotionally stable. And so it was very much like got to scan and check for where people are at at the moment because you don't have that just kind of sense of overall safety. And so it's made me able to read people and read the room really well, but then it also overanalyze the bleep out of, you know, things at times and to be able to just kind of reduce the churn in myself on that and realize that if I don't tackle those things as a founder, then my whole business is going to suffer from that. You know, incredibly important. So when we think about, I guess, mindset and uh, the different attributes of it, what are some of the traps that founders can fall into in that space and how can they be avoided? I mean, you said one now, which is over cluttering your mind, right? Like you're thinking about so many different things and from so many different angles and you actually need to have a excuse to help yourself step away and take a break. Something really interesting, which probably not many people know, is in between some of my startups, what I actually did to reframe my mindset and get myself in a healthy mindset, but like 
exercise a different part of my brain is I ended up pulling everything out of all the cupboards that I have and reorganizing my entire house. Not only did it help reduce the clutter, but it helped me like it was just this mindless task that I could be doing. And it's been the best sort of process to bounce back. Mm, I love that. I, I, mean, I think that, 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 that there's a number of traps like that aren't there because obviously a classic is imposter syndrome. And I, and I find that there are people, particularly if it's their first founding experience where they can feel like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. Like I can't talk. And, or, you know, non-technical people feel like they can't kind of lead or talk to developers. Technical people feel like they can't lead salespeople, et cetera. There's a lot of that. And we've got to, getting back to realizing like everybody feels that way a lot, right? <laughs> like Everybody feels, and, and being comfortable in that, I think is another important one as well. But a cluttered mind is definitely, well, clutter comes from a lot of places, doesn't it? Because it can just be it the does. pressure of running your own business. One thing that I try to do and try to encourage clients to do is really s- celebrate small milestones because it's all, there's always more to do. There's always more that can be done, but sometimes you just got to stop and go, Hey, we did this. This was such a great week. I like the, the models where those rituals are a part of it, where it's not just what do we need to get done, but like, what did we get done this week and let's celebrate it and, you know, and, and share it. Very, very powerful. Can, are there any other mindsets like that we haven't talked about that you think can be traps? The biggest, biggest one that I've had is limiting beliefs. This can come externally, it can come internally, it can come directly and indirectly. So I think being aware that these limiting beliefs exist, being aware for yourself that these limiting beliefs exist and pushing them away before they even have a chance to enter is a huge one. Mm. And I think we all have it (laughs) and we can all be conscious of removing it in our lives. Mm. Like, honestly, I'll give you a small example. Let's say you're trying to market a product and for whatever reason, you're not getting enough leads. Totally fine, right? Don't limit yourself to say, okay, that's it. This product has failed. There's nothing else we can do. Think of all the avenues where your audience exists and go to those avenues until you've exhausted them. And like chances are, you probably won't exhaust them very quickly. <laughs> It'll take eight forever. I love that. Think about good. the audience and think about the world. Like there are so many people ready to consume. Yeah, that's right. The the other one I want to just touch on, and I kind of mentioned this a bit earlier, is the flip side of the imposter or the overthinker is just the visionary slash dreamer where we get just too detached from the reality of where things are. Like obviously, you know, you don't achieve a great, and new things by just sticking with the status quo. You got to think outside the box, etc. One thing that I I find a real challenge in I've, I've worked in a number of uh, like software as a service, you know, B two B startups, scale ups, where the bigger that the machine gets, the more detached the face or the voice of it gets from the reality of where we're at. And, you know, your talk and your marketing is always a couple of steps ahead of what you can deliver because you're particularly, and that's not just with new prospects, that's with your existing client base as well. You know, you're promising new features, you're responding to their needs, etc., And you've got to keep them on the hook while 
trying to manage expectations realistically about when things are going to come on. And often people, they, they overpromise, they overestimate, they don't want to know that actually it's going to take five months to build like that piece. So it's that balance, isn't it? Of you, know, you don't, you, a pessimist uh, is not going to thrive, but then that the eternal optimist who doesn't want to actually face reality isn't going to thrive either. This is an interesting one because I'm, I think I am the eternal optimist, <laughs> but as well, I know how to be practical and grounded as well. And I think that's the difference. But if you look at people like Elon Musk, right, he is overconfident, really, really knows what vision he wants to achieve and goes for it at all costs, right? And I think there's actually quite a bit of benefit to that when you're a founder because you need to believe in your vision so passionately. So I, I think that is actually a great trait if you can go for it and do it unwaveringly and do it with all the resources that you have. He has a lot of resources, so sure. it's a lot easier but, for him. But I think he can also, he's got enough resources to afford to say a lot of things that he's going to do a lot of things that he never does. Oh, absolutely. So a lot of it is failure. <laughs> yeah. And so that that is not a not a strategy that your average founder can adopt in the early stages because people are actually holding you to account for that. <laughs> I mean, like I think ways to keep grounded. For me, it's looking at what customers are saying and taking in that feedback, talking to mentors and advisors and taking on some of that feedback. And then the biggest and most humbling thing you can do as a founder is actually use your product as a customer mm. and experience it, right? Mm -hmm. I think that is a brilliant way to do it. So doing all these things is a grounding exercise, but at the same time, what I see in Australians is that we're too humble as a nation and especially as founders. So I would actually love us to be a bit more visionary and like oh. all guns hot home. <laughs> For sure. I am a recovering American. I have been in Australia for 30 years. All my working life has been here. One thing that I do find culturally is that the total just aversion to conflict of any kind sometimes is really unhealthy because there's times where you just need to express opinions, have it out and not be offended. And, and I think that a team's attitude to conflict and whether or not conflict is inherently bad or or people expressing different opinions is actually healthy as long as you you know work through them is a big marker to success now, now we could talk i think for a really long time on this and we can probably have another convo but i do want to make sure we get the last piece i wanted to talk about done which is when we think then about ourselves and our own well-being in this space, because obviously this is a, a integral part of mindset and longevity in the entrepreneurial space. What are some things that a founder can do to look after their well-being and mindset? I think it's really important. Like you have your business and you want it to succeed, right? But despite that, I think it's important to put your personal life first. So that could be family or mental health or physical health and well-being. So it could be any of those things or a combination of those things. And I think it's important not to lose sight of that. The founder journey is really difficult. And unless you've kind of, it, it's like they say in planes, unless you put your own oxygen mask on first, you can't help others. 100%. No, I love that. 
And, and I think making time is the, the trap is that, of course, there's so much to do all the time that you can feel like you can never actually walk away from it. And I know from experience that the more that you tie yourself to your desk and don't stop working, the less productive you become. And, and even last week, I had an experience where I'd committed to do a bit of volunteering. And I the whole day, I was like, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. I've got so much to do. How could I get out of this? Whatever. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I, I need to do this. And it was the best thing that I could have done to just get out, interact with other humans that have nothing to do with my business, help other people do, do something that was not just about me. And the, the freshness that I brought back from that was incredibly important. And it's crazy how we just have to be reminded about that all the time. Last question I want to ask, and I, we, this is the last question that we ask everybody in some form. If you were starting from scratch, starting a brand new business, taking everything that you've learned into account, thinking about with mindset as the focus, how would you approach it now? I mean, I think I would lean into my vision more have a huge amount of conviction and confidence and do it unapologetically. Love it. I love it. Preeti, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Scotty. Cheers. And that's it for the bootstrap for this episode. If you're enjoying our show, we'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to subscribe or follow wherever you listen. And of course, we'd love a positive rating and review to help others find the show. We're working on our social media presence, but for now you can find the product bus on most platforms and interact with the bootstrap posts there. We'd love to hear from you. The Bootstrap is a production of Swivel Media and The Product Bus. It was developed by me, Scotty Allen, and Declan McGee. This episode was produced and written by Declan McGee. We were edited by Sammy Perriman, sound design and mix by Rob Clark. If you're an early stage founder looking for resources and practical help, check out theproductbus.com and get in touch. Swivel. Cool.